0: welcome to sons of a gun a podcast about all things dc i'm alex gunn i'm justin gunn and i'm pete also last name Gun and Gun yep important to mention for legal reasons we're not allowed to say who our father is but we are identical triplets and we love the DC universe totally unrelated for our dad wig wig Anyway, this is the first episode of
1: our required reading. So, Ooh, yes, nothing Ooh. like giving an audience homework before <laughs> they have to listen to a podcast. Well,
2: Dad said that, that everyone had to read this stuff, but I mean, James Gunn said that we all had to read right, uh,
1: sh- 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 sh-
0: But yes, James Gunn, who is the new head of DC Studios. After he announced his upcoming slate, Chapter 1, Gods and Monsters, he tweeted out a bunch of books that he said really inspired what they're doing. One of them, the first one we're going to start with here, is very much a one-to-one. It's Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, which is also the name of one of the movies that they're doing. It is clearly very specifically inspired by that, and we're going to talk about that at the end of the podcast. But... As comic book podcasters and hosts for the past 15 years plus, we've definitely reviewed a ton of comics and we love talking about comics. So even beyond the movie stuff, what we're going to do with these required reading podcasts is take a deep dive either into or back into the book, in this case, because we did review every issue individually on our The Stack podcast, so that's the groundwork here. Let's talk a little bit about the book. Which, mind you, as soon as James Gunn tweeted this and three other books out, they sold out immediately. Like they—they are yeah. not available physically unless you can find an old copy or a used copy somewhere. You got to get it digitally at least for right now. But DC said they're going back to print on all of this stuff, so that's cool. good. It is cool well it 's uh, exciting
2: just for, as a comic reader to see yeah. the impact that um, doing a story set specifically from a book like this can
0: really have it 's great, yeah, and this is just to continue the side trip a little bit. I love the fact that they 've been putting in the trailers for the d c movies at the end here 's how to here 's three books that you could buy that are inspired this movie or will let you read more about the movie it 's something we 've been asking for for decades for the yeah. movies to do. And it seems like something they're really leaning into. So very exciting. This is Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. It's written by Tom King. Art by Bilquis Evely. colors come on. by Come on. Colors by Mateus Lopez. Also come on. Letters by Clayton Kells. And in, I wanted to mention this here because they were apparently at least part of the inspiration behind this. And Tom King credits them as working very heavily on crafting the book. <laughs> edited by Brittany Holzer and Jamie S. Rich. So, background on this book. This is a eight-issue series released starting June 2021, running through February 2022. In 2022, it was nominated for Best Limited Series at the Eisner Award, which, if you don't know, is sort of the Oscars of comic books. Yeah. It lost! It lost the Eisner, it didn't get the (laughs) Eisner, uh, which I was very surprised to see because this book is phenomenal. But, man, tough competition that year. Pete, you're going to get angry about this, but the Beta Ray Bill book that Daniel Warren Johnson was also up for the Eisner that year, another phenomenal book. There are a couple of other phenomenal limited series, but the one that won. What won? What beat out? Well, this is the thing, is it lost to The Good Asian by Pornsak Pitcher shot? Wow. Sorry, I always mangle that name. I apologize. And Alexandria Tefengi, another great book. So yeah. very tough competition, but this is right up there in terms of one of the best books of that year. Also a little bit of groundwork. Wait, wait,
1: wait. Yeah. I just want to say while we're talking about the the art, this is one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. Like this comic was such a breath of fresh air in the stack and was so beautiful. The, the, page layouts. Everything was just absolutely gorgeous. So well thought out, so well done. It was a, it's a breathtaking book. It is unbelievable. Worth it for the art alone. I just wanted to No, And thank you for bringing up now in the middle of laying the groundwork for the history, yeah.
0: because we weren't yeah. planning on reviewing the book at all. Good, good. Yeah, oh, yeah, I yeah.
2: didn't even it's, notice there's art here. I've just yeah, listened yeah. to it as an audio comic book. <laughs> Uh, honestly it's everyone, hard.
0: This is this is one that kind of actually would work as an audiobook. I know you're making a joke. But a couple of other things that I wanted to mention here um, I went back and I, I read this interview. I think oh gosh I should have looked up. I think it was on uh fi sci-fi, actually sci-fi.com mm-hmm. where they talked to how
2: F-I-C- I spell C- sci-fi.
0: C-fi. Tom King talked a little bit. If you don't know him as an author, he writes very dark corners of the DC universe. And he said that a lot of the stuff he was writing, in particular Rorschach and Heroes in Crisis and Mm. – I'm forgetting the other book that he wrote. Oh, Strange – Strange. Strange Adventures. Strange Adventures. Thank you. I wanted to say Strange World, the Disney book. But all those books were very, very dark looks. And he said they were specifically inspired by 2020 and the darkness of the world. And it felt like there was no hope left. And that's something that he really wanted to explore, deal with those feelings that he was feeling. And as he started to think about it, as he started to move forward, there started to feel like to him, these glimmers of hope. Things are still very dark. They're still very grim. But that's what he was looking at here in terms of Supergirl, is trying to find that spark of light in that overall grimness that he was feeling for the world. Moving over to the art that Pete thankfully mentioned, uh, Evely actually sent a mood board over to Tom King, and I think this really hones in on a lot of what the art is. Uh, She was inspired by 70s European books, Mobius in particular, as well as some of the weirder stuff from John Buscema and Gil Kane. The quote that Tom King used, which I got to say, as a fan of this book, I don't think he's quite on par here, but he said, this is our incal which is a pretty famous, wild graphic novel. Incal's way wilder than this. Nothing against this book. But interesting thing there. Uh, It also points to a lot of these books that he's calling out, the John Buscema and the Gil Kane books. They are 70s epic space adventures like John Carter, Warlord of Mars, which seems like the very direct inspiration here man the, john carter was one of us like a huge john carter fan i can't remember okay this is cross the podcast streams but after a screening of the john carter you movie, were so
1: hyped you no, were so hyped you weren't you even weren't there hyped.
0: pete it was just you me were so hyped we came out and mm-hmm. a pr agent asked us how did you think and I said I could see this being somebody's Star Wars, and oh, that's you've somehow you changed
2: your quote. No, no, that's, 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 that's
0: what I said. That's what I That's not what you said. I did not said. say. Over the years, this it became. This has nothing to do with this book. Over the years, the story became. I came out and said, "This is this generation's Star Wars,"
2: that's which exactly. I that's what the quote no, I remember. That's you the you were were so, so hyped. I
1: did not say. You that were so John, John Carter hyped up. up. Yeah, uh, but I mean, Alex, I know, uh, I know this the is thing, a departure it's panned out with
0: all the John Carter sequels and the spinoffs of the TV series It is this generation of Star Wars so.
2: It okay. has panned, I will tell you that <laughs> I was just listening to a podcast talking about uh, mistakes Disney's made over the years And John Carter was literally the biggest mistake in like the last <laughs> hundred years of Hollywood or something Well,
0: what was that podcast? We're Wrong About Everything, the podcast
2: Yeah, it was Alex's quote, actual quotes. uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Last little bit of history that I want to say here that I thought was kind of interesting. Steve Orlando, who's a great comic book writer, Uh, we've had on our live show a bunch of times actually helped out Tom King figure out the character of Supergirl when he was trying to tackle him. Again, I'm not 100% sure about this, but I thought this was an interesting take. What Steve apparently offered up to Tom King, and they're both Jewish in their background, at least in part, what Steve said is that Superman— is the baby that was sent away before the Holocaust starts. Supergirl Mm -hmm. is the kid who was in the Holocaust and managed to survive. I definitely think that plays into the way that Tom King writes throughout this book. Again, I don't know that I 100% agree with that. It is very heavy, Um, but I don't know. It plays into the way, certainly the way that Tom King crafts the story.
2: Well, and I, I don't think that's used so like one-to-one as um, that type of uh, sort of tragic scar on her that, that is really like present the whole time. But it's definitely an undertone. And you see some flashes throughout the series of her dealing with the trauma. I think where when the series starts, we pick up with her sort of in, in her cups, as they say, having some drinks, being sad about her lost family, lost planet, everything. And I think that this like melancholy she has throughout the series is very much rooted in that, I think.
0: Well, and it definitely plays into – I think it's the seventh issue when we finally get, quote-unquote, Supergirl's origin, which shows her Argo City surviving after the explosion of Krypton, dying from radiation poisoning, and her just looking out – at this destruction trying to save what she can. So that definitely plays in there. And I think that segues us nicely into the plot, just to give you a broad overview of the plot. It is narrated by this new character called Ruthie. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, She is so. an alien farmer, young girl, lives on a world that doesn't really know from space travel or aliens or anything mm-hmm. like that. And this man kills her father, and she begins a quest for vengeance to go and kill him back, quest at for which vengeance. point she captures Supergirl. This man also hurts Crypto, the super dog, shoots him with an arrow. Terrifying, uh, horrifying scene. Uh, and so they're both united in this purpose to track down this guy and go on a long universal trek to finally track him down, ultimately leading to the question of, should you kill this man or should you not? And there's plenty of twists and turns there. So that's the broadest possible overview of the story. Now, let's talk about it. We, like I said, reviewed every issue individually on the stack. I think we, you know, Pete, I know, has some quabs about it. But I think overall, we loved the series and we love the direction of the series and loved aspects of the series. But particularly revisiting it now what struck you what jumped out at you but not the art because we've already talked
1: about oh, it come on. come on man i no <laughs> I you mean, can't we did talk, talk about, about it. this we did talk. Book without talking about the art and what I'm really worried about is this is a real achievement in comics this feel this mood this tone that you this is such a great way to be introduced to Supergirl you know she's not in the shadow of her cousin it's just about her struggle her story and it's this kind of like cowboy in space story with a little bit of kind of like vengeance in there and I think it's such a, a beautiful way to kind of start her story and such an interesting, unique thing that as a reader of comic books, I've seen her story a bunch of different ways. And this one is just so striking and so unique. It's kind of reminds me a little bit of The Mandalorian, where it's just kind of her on an adventure. You know what I mean? It's not all about, uh, you know, you're not constantly bumping into other DC characters and stuff. It's just kind of her out there. And it's it's just such a beautiful it, the, the, just the... I'm really worried about what they're going to do when they translate like this because the, well, the comic I, is I, I an cut achievement. You off there, yeah, or, yeah. I, know, but I just wanted to see. Yeah,
0: yeah no, I no. no I, to... I 100% agree with you, and we'll get to that more towards the end. I mean, one note that I'll throw out just because it's coming up when they did announce the movie, they were like Tom King's incredible story, and I was like, Yo, yeah, <laughs> Bill evely is not yeah. just 50% of this. She's like 60, 70%, something. I'd like say that. 80. Yeah. The other thing that (laughs) I I wanted to mention about the art without getting... Again, we'll talk about the movie adaptation towards the end of the podcast. But what really struck me this time was the colors by Mateus Lopez that are phenomenal throughout. The art is absolutely beautiful, but... The the way the colors pop and make these different alien landscapes feel unique from each other yeah. is is stunning. There's Such these washes of pages, these layouts that are just double pages spreads. I'm thinking of one By the way, I probably should have mentioned we're going to get into heavy spoilers for the book. So if you haven't read it, you know, skip this part, go to the movie stuff if you want to go to that talk. Uh, But we're definitely going to talk about every aspect. There's a thing towards the end when Comet shows up and Supergirl is flying through space on Comet, this double page splash where you see them appear multiple times. And that's a beautiful image of it itself. But Comet and Supergirl are so tiny on this page in places it's mostly up to Lopez's colors to make everything pop and make that composition work. And it, it really does.
2: Well, and I do, th- I think the the variety in the world building of the the different issues and the different art styles, or art, art sort of color styles and um, art design of the characters and worlds really feeds into the story a lot. Like we're talking about how much an artist can influence the actual storytelling. Um, and I think with this, it really shows time and space passing like they're traveling for so long there's a weariness to this book supergirl is already always portrayed as this bright young innocent um hero who's like uh just there to save the day and we don't get into a lot of this painful backstory or the fact that she has to be bright and shiny despite the fact that she's facing just waves and waves of evil all the time and i think the art really helps to tell that side of the story
0: the other thing that i think is interesting and this jumps doesn't exactly jump from the art, but like Pete was saying, we start off with Supergirl, 21 years old. She's celebrating her 21st birthday at the beginning of the book by getting drunk on a planet that has a red sun because she can't get drunk otherwise because she's Supergirl.
2: That's the way I do it too. Yeah, Yeah. so So
0: it is an interesting dynamic because you're getting this true grit thing that, like you expect from – Drew from The Mandalorian, from Lone Wolf and Cub, all of these different stories. It's usually a wizened, older man and a young girl or young boy that's tagging along with them on this mission of vengeance. Having Supergirl somewhat closer in age, but still more life experience than Ruthie, it changes their dynamic. It doesn't exactly make them equals, but it makes them more understandable to each other and... I don't know. It, it, it's interesting how that dynamic changes it. I also think it changes the dynamic that it's two female characters instead of a male character and a female character or a male character and a male character. And it's little changes like that, but they definitely work in terms of executing on a story that does feel fresh and new, even when it's hitting all of these tropes across the board.
2: Yeah. yeah. And it has like, we talked a lot of. Uh- about the Western nature of it, but it has the sort of like storybook fantasy uh, angle on it as well, where it's like a quest. They wander. It's except it has the modern take that they're constantly um, underestimated. Supergirl's like, Oh, who who cares about you? Or I've heard about you. And then she has to like kick ass over and over again to prove that uh, who she is and that she has faced all of this before and is back here again, trying to help out the situation, but dealing with just, Horrible. There are so many issues in this where it's just encounters horrifying tragedy that she has to swallow and then find a way to move on from.
0: One other interesting emotional thread that I think goes through the entire book is there are no easy answers. We ultimately find out at the end of the book that a lot of this journey, Supergirl didn't really need to go on. She needed Ruthie to identify the face of the guy that they were looking for. But Crypto, who you're worried about the entire length of the book yeah. is fine. It's, she reveals yeah. that as a little twist at the end. The crypto is okay. But what she was trying to do was teach Ruthier that you don't kill. And that that is not a thing you do. And that is not a thing you should do. But she knew she could only learn by example. So they end up in all of these situations where that's challenged. And I do think that gets to the heart of a big difference between – How Tom King is treating Supergirl here versus Superman, where Superman is just this very earnest, I always do the right thing no matter what, except in cinema when I'm snapping people's necks. But in comics, I'm always doing the right thing. I always maybe don't know immediately the right thing to do, but I always figure it out. Supergirl, the way that they depict her here, struggles with that a lot more. And so she is able to make that connection with Ruthie, who – is very naive, has never been outside the world. And ultimately, it isn't even necessarily about her learning not to kill so much as her learning the process of how you make a choice whether to kill or not.
2: Right, yeah. And I think the what we were talking about earlier with the difference between Superman and Supergirl's origins, where he was a baby when he left his planet, never had to deal with the reality of that loss. And she felt it, and I think... That informs sort of the slightly controversial end of this book. Like I think another aspect of this story is it's about holding pain. She's holding her pain. There's a lot of talk in here about how, hey, Supergirl was in pain her whole life basically. Uh, And it's hard to read that. It influences the way you look at every Supergirl story, not, not just this one. So she has her own pain, and then she is taking on the pain of others, Ruthie, all these other different alien species they encounter, and it's about how that wears down your ability to make the choice that you're talking about, Alex.
0: I do want to ask about one particular scene on that note. As they're traveling to these various alien planets, they – sorry, I forgot to write it down. What is the name of the villain in the book? Clem. Clem, thank you. So, Clem starts as this guy who is just a lone bad guy, lone villain. And then ultimately, he falls in with these brigands, these thieves who are completely overpowered pirates to the point that the final fight against Supergirl in the last two issues, they're able to take her down for a good portion of time. So, He's a legitimate threat to her, which is surprising coming from somebody that doesn't necessarily have superpowers. But they stop on a planet where one of the brigands has been caught. They're following along sort of the path of destruction, uh, destruction excuse me, that these brigands have caused. And this planet is punishing this brigand by essentially stoning him to death, but just piling stones on him until he dies. And Ruthier and Supergirl are watching them, and Ruthier says something to the effect of, I thought you were going to stop them. And Supergirl says, now why would you think that? Now, Supergirl clearly is letting this girl, this person, die. What What do you think about that moment? What do you take away
1: from that moment? Well, I mean, there's a, a couple things that first come popping. Sorry, real
2: quick. It was cram, not clem.
1: Cram. I was wrong. Okay. Cram. I was like Clem it it sounds a little too uh but anyways um <laughs> uh, the first thing that is in that kind of pops into my head is the What's interesting is Supergirl's reaction to that, you know what I mean? Because we're all kind of thinking, like, what's Supergirl going to do here, you know? But it's this interesting idea of, like, she's visiting another planet. They have their own set of rules that they live by, their own kind of thing, and that they want to just pile. It's not like they're throwing them. They're just piling on somebody. Oh, okay. So oh, that's you know, nice. it's a nice. I'd still, I'd still yeah. not like the piling. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the piling, sure, but at least you're not, you know, getting hit all the time. You know, it's, yeah, I, feel I feel like, like it's the end result's there.
2: pretty. Uh, well, either not way, good. you're
1: dying. Sure, you know what I mean. Yeah, um, but if you I'll got your that. choice, Pete. You got your choice. You'd be like, pile
2: some rocks. Well, if somebody me.
1: was going to uh, kill me, but that was like, hey, here's a pillow first. I'd be like, thank you, and then I would die. But what if they
2: were I, smothering you with that
1: pillow? I, it's <laughs> it's still a nice gesture. What if they were
2: piling pillows over your breathing holes? So then you were you died.
1: How I, many pillows do you think it would take to kill you? Probably a lot, huh? To crush you? Yeah, to crush you to death. Well, I would be. I don't know if there is enough pillows to crush you to death. <laughs> Gosh, we got to get wow. a scientist on the next podcast. <laughs>
0: Or, or my
1: pillow guy? Maybe
2: we'll have, him, oh, no, have some good
1: info not. for us. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. That sounds like <laughs> yeah. a horrible. That idea. guy
2: knows exactly how many kills it take, <laughs> pillows it takes to crush somebody. <laughs> what a great way to go! go out. Uh, anyway, you were saying, Pete, that you um, like just this guy dying.
1: <laughs> no, I was just saying that it was interesting the fact that like she responded that way. It was kind of a cool needle scratch where it was like. Um, you know, there's stuff going on here. We don't always have to interfere and interject ourselves onto things.
2: Well, it's like uh, if it's stepping out. When we meet Supergirl in the beginning of the story, she has been to all these plants. It's not like she doesn't know about it. But it's she's learned the lessons that, like, while Superman goes into any situation, it's like bad guy, good guy. Got it. Uh, her here, she's like, it's not as cut and dry in that. This person may have committed a crime and this is his punishment. This is what justice is on this planet. Right. Um, it's not my job to save every life when – and it, it directly informs. Like Ruthie is like, I'm going to kill Krem of the Yellow Hills, no problem. As soon as I get my hands on him from the jump. And it's about – Like you said, Alex, she's teaching her that lesson throughout the course of this. And this is a huge part of that lesson.
0: Yeah, that was the thing that I was going to bring up is at the end of the book, Supergirl actually is the one who steps up and is going to kill Krem or seemingly going to kill Krem. And Ruthier stops her. So you could draw a direct line from that moment where Ruthier is disturbed by Supergirl's behavior, where they're stoning this guy to death, and ultimately make the decision to spare Cram at least in that moment. Um, so I think there's an interesting connection there. Uh, I do want to talk about one of my favorite issues, though. Which is the Mordru globe issue. They finally catch up to Krem on a lava flow, and he's got an ace in the hole, which Superman, Supergirl, all the Kryptonians, they have a weakness to magic. So he pulls out yeah. this magic globe called the Mordru globe that sucks Supergirl and Ruth Gay in and sends her to a planet that has a green Kryptonite sun, I believe. It is full of monsters yeah. and a very tempting oasis that they want to ignore. And this is another very specific contrast point between Superman and Supergirl, where we find out Superman was also stranded on this world. He was eventually rescued by the Justice League, and the amount of time he was there was 45 minutes. On the other hand, Supergirl it doesn't have anybody coming to rescue her. She has to survive there for 10 hours with only Ruthier and a sword, and she can't do anything.
1: Well, I think you bring up a good point. You can try to ignore Oasis as much as you can, but I mean, they got some hits. You know what I mean? And eventually you're going to be listening to the radio, and it's like you can try to ignore Oasis for as long as you want, but it's going to creep in, you know? Yeah. If they were playing you're- a concert, I don't care how many
0: monsters there were. I'm there, man.
2: Wow. Yeah, that's what I assume. When I'm lost in the desert, I just hope <laughs> there's an Oasis cover well, band playing. After all, after all there's fit. a Wonder Wall. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh, exactly. Oh, wow. Uh, strong. Great. Remember when yeah. they were like, everyone's like, they're cool. They're good. They're the new Beatles. And then uh, no one of the said
1: that. People, people, people lots said that. People said that. Yeah. No And way.
2: one of the Gallagher brothers was like, yeah, you know, I actually think I'm the reincarnated John Lennon. Everyone was like, yeah, dude, cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Back it off
2: yeah uh
0: what did you guys think about this issue did you like this one as much as i did uh
2: yes i mean there are a lot of great issues the one on the reread that i liked the most was i think issue three the one where she's on the planet where everyone seems nice and it's because they killed half of the people on the planet Mm -hmm. uh in the 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 blue versus purple uh purple town and and Mm -hmm. cram comes in and kills them uh, that one was just so dark and so uh, realistic to me. But this one um, was like very much like the superhero, like the makings of a hero type issue. And I loved the scene we get finally of her talking to her dad uh, right before she sent off of Krypton. I thought oh, that was yeah. such a great aside, uh, exclamation point um, in the middle of this issue.
1: Pete,
0: what about you? Do you have a favorite issue from this one?
1: I do. I I just think uh, the first one is such an an epic, kind of like really sets the tone for this unbelievable thing. I also love the way it starts of her just wanting – to drink uh, with her dog and, you know, have a moment, you know. And, yeah. uh, you uh, love I very to drink much, with the dog. That's like one bucket I, list, right, man? Yeah, yeah. I felt very seen in that moment. You know, the, Spuds
2: McKenzie, you think? Or
1: yeah. do you want <laughs> uh, to? Uh, any uh, dog. Uh, any dog.
2: Any dog. Does, Does he, he want to like, be a beer a dog? dog? Yeah, I just need to be a dog.
1: Yeah, yeah. I want to out drink Spuds McKenzie as well. My, yeah. But anyways, uh, I just think that the start of this was such a – mind-blowing kind of different look at Supergirl in such a great way that I just I I thought they it the start of this was such a cool epic idea that if you don't have a good start to something it's not going to happen so I was just really impressed with what they were able to accomplish in that first issue and setting up this unbelievable thing that we're still talking about to this day and is now going to maybe become a movie. So, Well, hold your horses there.
0: I do want to ask you in the opposite direction, though, Pete, because I know, first of all, you're probably nowhere near as big of a Tom King fad boy as me and Justin. You certainly be much more critical of his work. And you did express earlier before we were on here some reservations about the story as a whole. Uh, What are those? What are your concerns
1: there? What are are the things that don't quite work for you? Well, I just think sometimes uh, Tom King's storytelling and withholding information and having this kind of melancholy, uh, grief, things aren't good, depressing kind of mood sometimes can be a tough uh, way to kind of get people on board and kind of like, uh, I don't want to be depressed for two hours. Why am I going to see this? So I'm a little, that was some of my initial concerns. And um, yeah, and also like the way Tom King unfolds information can sometimes be frustrating because we're, it's not, we know, and the character is going to catch up to us. It's we're all learning together. And sometimes that can be a little tough.
2: Well, I feel like this one, there's less of that coyness. Uh, I feel yeah. like we're really riding along with Supergirl the entire time. There's not, we're not withheld what's happening. It's very much an adventure story that we're along the ride for. But I will say there is definitely that melancholy uh, that you feel throughout this. And sort of a, an inevitability of evil. Like, yeah, we're never going to beat evil, uh, everyday evil. But at the end of the day, it's like it's still worth pushing back against it. And Supergirls, yeah. you know, embodies that. Uh, despite her world-weariness.
0: She bodies evil. (laughs) She bodies evil. Uh, Just to throw it out there, we've talked about this before on other podcasts and things. I think part of it is you look at comics as an escape, right? right? You want that aspirational, heroic aspect where they win no matter what. And a lot of what Tom King is dealing with, like we talked about at the beginning here, is the hopelessness of the past couple of years. And like Justin was getting at, there is that glimmer there because Supergirl ultimately does... Up to a point, and then we should probably talk about the ending yeah. of this book. Up to a point, inspire Ruthier and inspire other people to do better, and certainly tries to do better herself um, and fight against her own darkness. But that's still there. Like you're saying, there is melancholy, is a great word for it, running throughout the entire book. There's the sadness, there's the sparseness in Bilquis Evely's art. Um, it's all going on there. Yeah, it's so good. Let's talk about the ending. And you've Already been spoiled about the book, if in case you're listening, but definitely turn away here. So, the whole book is a book that Ruth Yeh has written about this, and in her book, she ends it with Supergirl killing Krem. That's not actually what happens. They stop from killing Krem, and as we find out at the end, he has been banished to the Phantom Zone. Supergirl comes back years later when Ruthier is an old woman to release him from the Phantom Zone, where she knows he's been trapped for hundreds of years, and ultimately repented his sins, become a better person, even though he's a scraggly old man at this point. He comes out and begs Ruthier for forgiveness. And in the last page that mirrors the artistic layout of the first page where Krem killed Ruthie's father, we see Ruthie smack him to death with a cane as Supergirl looks on seemingly surprised, and then they walk off in opposite directions. So Justin, sounds like you feel like this is a controversial ending. What do you take away from this and how do you feel about it?
2: Well, I think it's controversial, not necessarily to me, but I think other people were like Supergirl basically let that killing happen. And I thought we had established that justice here was not killing him, but putting him away for all that time. Um, yeah, and, it's
1: almost like killing him twice. You know, like he had to pay, he had to do the sentence in the Phantom Zone, and then he got kind of like caned to death. You know, it was like one of those would have been. Just real quick, would you rather be caned to death or crushed with a billion pillows? People, billion pillows billion all billion day. Pillows.
2: Okay. Really? Yeah. What if the cane smaller? was really soft? Like <laughs> <go>, a <laughs> really still going pillows,
1: man. I'm still going <laughs> pillows.
2: Go feather cane, smacked for
1: thirty years with a nice soft cane <laughs> until you die.
2: isn't that what life is isn't that what life
1: is (laughs) sometimes Uh, the cane's not so soft but i do think
2: like the the lesson here was like the punishment needs to fit the crime and if he as much as reform he time he had to reform and as much as maybe he did reform when he was in the phantom zone Ruthier had all this time to sort of move past it and i think the point we're left with here is that Ruthier wasn't able to move past it. So that meant the crime was not satisfied in its punishment. If she couldn't move past it, then he needed to uh, have a final judgment. And I'm not saying that's right, but I think that's the idea here. And so just like Supergirl let the... Justice be carried out on the planet as it was. That's why she didn't intercede here because she's like, it's not my justice. This is the justice between them. The crime was between them. The justice is between them. And she's there sort of like a steward almost. She taught the lesson and now she's here to see the lesson paid off.
0: I think – I. I think it's very much up to the interpretation of the reader, particularly because yeah. the way that Bill Gwisley draws it is all in silhouette, so you can't actually see what Supergirl's reaction is. But I certainly take away from her body language surprise. That's what I read there. Because I do think Supergirl comes to this situation expecting, well, this is closure on this story. I'm going to bring Krem to Ruthie, and she's going to forgive him, and then he's going to go live... The, I want to say conservatively, three to six months left he has in his life. Oh, come now. on. It's nice. Yeah. He's uh, a scraggly old man. I know. I said what are you, a creme, way, but... you're a creme doctor? Over <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I, you I got my know. creme doctor in at
1: Creme you University. You don't know somewhere. that alien uh, race could live for millions of years. So you have no idea. Did, Did no, that mean I she should have
2: killed him if he was going to live much longer?
1: Yeah. What's that about? Mm, that's a great question. I'm not going to answer. But
0: the. Main thing that I'd say is I think this is not the outcome that Supergirl expected, and I think that's why they walk in opposite directions, because Supergirl is ultimately going off to a place of, no, we do not kill. That is not what we do. I'm always striving to do better. And Ruthie is like, well, lived my entire life, killed this guy. That's what I needed to do. I thought about it for a long time and decided back on that beach. I made the wrong decision.
1: That's like I think think there's a lot of stuff – that happens in between the panels here. What we didn't see was he was like, hey, can you forgive me? And she was like, no, nah, I can't. And he was like, all right, well, I got some weird radiation in the Phantom Zone. And, the, you know, the only way I can, if you could just end my misery by caning me to death right here, that would be great. Uh, so that way I can, it, you know.
2: Wait, now wait, do you you really feel like you need something like that in here for this to fit? Like, are you left unsatisfied with this because – Supergirl, sort of, um, it's allowing a, or it's assisting a, in a it's murder.
1: A, I mean, I'm not. I I didn't like the Sopranos ending on this a little bit, where it was kind of like. I don't know, we're going to walk away in different directions. Both people are kind of scratching their head going, I don't feel good about this. <laughs> it's such a beautiful, amazing achievement, and the ending is a little kind of weak sauce. So, but
2: I, I don't know, though. I think that's very much the point of the ending. I don't think the ending was like, I don't know what to do. I'll just have him walk away. Like, I think this was very intentional. It's not Sure, like, yeah. It's not like the sauce got weaker at the end. I think it's, I just, think
1: it's just one of those things where, you know – And again, it comes back to what Zalvin was saying is I want this not to match what's happening outside where there's tons of sad stories and good guy doesn't always win. But in comics, it's nice to get a hopeful story. So I'm always rooting for that instead of the reality that this story built, that it did a great job of just staying in, you know.
2: Well, I think that's Tom King's thing is injecting some real-world gray area into a lot of comic book stories, and that's definitely um, what this is here. Let me ask you this, Pete, though. Would you want revenge if Krem or a Krem-like figure had shot an arrow through Spud's McKenzie? You're drinking
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Especially
2: because I have a feeling you you would murder that dude in this. I
0: I think uh, maybe I read this wrong, but I think that's how Spuds died, right? Oh come on, space
2: pirate! That's the part they leave out of the legend. Space pirate killed Spuds. They got
0: to put that in some of those butt ads, man. Before we move on here, are there other moments from the book that you wanted to call out? Things jumped out to you, scenes, etc. Pete, I'm sure you have a list a mile long.
1: Well, I just think it's. Did you mention the art, Pete?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Don't worry. I'm getting to I'll rewind the podcast real quick, just to check because um, yeah, uh, it's it be one a, of those things where
1: <laughs> flashbacks and stuff uh, can be done. Well, can be done not so well. I was really impressed with the way that they kind of did this, where we got to see, uh, parts of her life in, in, uh, uh and the coloring and the choices that they made. So I was really impressed with that in this book and, uh, um, yeah i I just i feel like there are a ton of different ways to tell the stories, but the way that they kind of leaned into the art and the coloring to set this mood and tone that wasn't a supergirl story that we've seen before we got a lot of new information in this story also there was just uh it it showed her being a badass in a way that wasn't as bright and as kind of like I'm bulletproof and an alien, you know, like we felt her pain, we felt her struggle, we felt these things, and it felt very human. It didn't feel very alien to me, and it, it was really successfully done and, and really impressive.
2: Uh, one other observation I had coming out of uh, rereading this was um, it's very much like an American folk tale, sort of like your uh, John Henry or Paul Bunyan. Like where, and as she even says in the first issue, right when we meet her, like truth, justice in the American way. And I thought that line stuck out a little bit and it felt very purposeful. And in American like folk tales, it's like a great adventure, but then like John Henry dies at the end when <laughs> the hero is just like, whoops, too much for my heart, falls over dead. And I think that's the idea here is that like, it's an amazing story, but like reality is always there. And it's very American to be like, I did this great thing. And now I died. <laughs> so like it, it has that. It's tinged with that. And I, I think that's – you don't see that in a lot of superhero storytelling. So I I think that's great. And I'm curious how they will translate that, that darkness, that melancholy to the screen.
1: Now, are you curious or scared? Well, hold on. Before we
0: get there, I just want to kind of wrap up talking about the book a little bit. One observation that I wanted to throw out there that I really appreciated during this read-through – is the idea that the universe is bigger than one character. And what I mean by Mm. that is a lot of books will have Superman going through a story, and the villain of the story is very tied towards Superman, and it's very focused on Superman, and everything is Superman, 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 Superman. This definitely ties into the emotional and other themes of the characters, Supergirl, and... uh, uh, Ruth Ye, uh as they go through these adventures, but it definitely clearly implies and outright states a point, there's a lot of other things going on. You know, they all tie into their story, but there's a point at the end when Ruthier is talking about, now I gotta take a break from the narrative here because I wasn't actually on this ship when Supergirl was fighting these brigands, so I need to go off other people's descriptions. And she talks about another book that was entirely about this moment. And that really struck me, the idea that, of course, in a realistic universe where all this DC stuff is happening, it's not like everybody's like, what's going on in Earth? Let's read Superman 182 to find out. There's a lot of things going on in a lot of places and a lot of people will be writing in a lot of different ways. And I don't know, it's just a little detail that makes the world feel bigger that I really, really liked quite a bit.
2: Yeah, agreed. I agree. do
0: want to throw out one more thing about the comic to you guys as a question, as a discussion question here, if you will, in classic mm. book club fashion. What comic does club. the title mean? Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. What does it mean? How does it tie into the themes of the book?
2: I think that's a great question. I was thinking about this because it's very much a bright, shiny, like Disneyland title for a book that is not that at all. And I think I think it's about sort of really – giving us a starting point with the character to be like Supergirl. She's this bright, shiny woman of tomorrow. So that gives us something to um, undercut right from the jump of the story. Um, And I I like that as a way of putting a flag and giving us a a true beginning to really get this story
1: going. Uh, To me, it kind of sets up this thing of her, uh, growing as a, as a, as a person, as a, you know, hmm. an alien, I shouldn't, uh, uh, you know, Thanks into a, a woman of tomorrow, <laughs> as far as like, um, you know, uh, just their trials and tribulations, like this kind of growth that we all go through, uh, uh, hopefully becoming something better tomorrow, you know? Um, so it is, it is hopeful, which is, Completely the opposite, as Justin was saying, as the tone of the book. Uh, so it's a it's a weird title to put on such a uh, interesting take on Supergirl. Totally agree with everything you guys are saying. I think first of all, Tom King,
0: whether he came up with the title or not, has a tendency to come up with these titles that harken back to yesteryear, like Strange Adventures, Woman of Tomorrow. Currently, he's running a book called Danger Street that throws back to the Dingbats of Danger Street, forgotten characters by Jack Kirby. So he's always finding these things and then taking a twist on them in some way, or even Mister Miracle. You know, that is yep. one of the darkest books he wrote, oh my and God. it's not really about miracles necessarily, so much as the. Drudgery of day to day, so here, yeah, I think it's giving that sense because you do have this adventure book. It is ironic at the same time because it's playing against the actual content of the book. And Pete, I think you're actually totally right as well in terms of that's what Supergirl is telling Ruth Ray to do. She's like, think about tomorrow, think about the next day. Don't yeah. think about like this is vengeance on my mind and this is all I have right now. But what are the repercussions here? What's going to happen next? What does that mean for me? So, great title. I think, when you really think about it. Why don't yeah. we turn to the topic that Pete has been jumping at a bit to talk about the whole time. So we know that in some sense, they're going to be doing an adaptation of this book in the new DC Studios. Now the little asterisk there is they've talked about all these projects can change. So maybe this will happen, maybe not. But considering considering Tom King is part of the brain trust here in DC Studios, there's a good chance they're going to push forward in some way. So wanted to read through real quick from Variety, what they wrote about this movie, just so we have groundwork in terms of what they're talking about. This is directly from the Variety article where they announced the DC studio stuff. Based on King's comic run of the same title, leaving out Bill Kus-Evely, from 2021 and 2022, Woman of Tomorrow features Superman's cousin Kara Zor-El, who, as Gunn explained, quote, is a very different type of Supergirl. And then this continues that, quote, We see the difference between Superman, who was sent to Earth and raised by loving parents from the time he's an infant, versus Supergirl, who was raised on a rock chip off of Krypton and watched everyone around her die and be killed in terrible ways for the first 14 years of her life. Gunn called this Supergirl, quote, much more hardcore, though King's series also involves crypto the Superdog. So- wow. <laughs> yes, nice. So that was, that wow. Was Put a little sub on Gunn. the end there. Jeez. <laughs> yes. Crypto's pretty hardcore, man. You know, I'm just going to throw yeah. it out
2: there. Oh, definitely. But
0: Pete, let's finally get to it because we've been talking about this book for a while. And I know this is the main thing you wanted to talk about. What are your reservations with this movie? What are you concerned about? And what are you potentially looking forward to?
1: Well, here's the thing. A lot of times when you spring off of something that's already a successful comic, there is kind of two ways you can go, right? You can be very faithful to the comic and bring that comic to life. Or you can kind of use that as inspiration and make different choices, but trying to stay true a little bit to what the seed of the idea is. And what I'm worried about is something that I love and then pay money to go see on the big screen. I'm going to be like, wow, how is this related to this? Because. The feel when you start reading this story, it's so different, so unique, so beautiful and haunting in a lot of different ways that if you're not giving me that same feeling, I might be very upset by that. So I'm very upset that they are going to try to take something and put it in a two hour movie and focus on the fact that Supergirl's hardcore now and 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 not do justice to this beautiful story. I really want the same colors, the same kind of, (laughs) you know, like this is so uh, such an achievement in comics. Anything less than that on screen is going to be a little disappointing. And I also think that uh, the fact that it's a movie instead of a TV show would it's a mistake. is a little bit of a misstep because I feel like an episodic would be a really cool way to really kind of explore a lot of the tones in this book.
0: That was definitely something that struck me during this read through, knowing that they're adapting it to a movie. And this is to Tom King and the team's credit: is they lead into the singular issue nature of the comic book. Each issue maybe with the exception of the last two, but even those somewhat feel like their own individual issue, their own individual adventure, part of this bigger story. And they are really fleshed out stories for anybody who doesn't regularly read comic books, but is listening to this. That's a rarity. You know, most comics feel like here's the first five minutes and then here's the next five minutes. And we're kind of keep going there. So that's the way it should be, but it doesn't really happen that often. So I definitely felt that Pete. I felt like, they're going to have to figure out a way if this is a movie to excise some of this information, figure out how to smooth over other stuff before I keep going here though. Justin, it looks like you disagree.
2: I have an I have an alternate take. I'm very okay. excited. I think this is an excellent movie. And think about the structure of like an Indiana Jones movie. And I think there's a, a very much an adventure story where you start someplace are given a quest and you get to follow it on you know half a dozen different places where indie has to accomplish tasks and move through to find the inevitable end i think you could make a movie just like that for this and each issue and or maybe they'd have to cut one or two or combine a couple something like that but each one becomes a big set piece where we are teaching this lesson to the ruthie character building toward the inevitable end like i think there's a really especially with tom king on the team and James Gunn seemingly invested in this particular story to recommend it in the in- initial announcement that they're going to do a pretty faithful um, translation of this story. And I think really land on something that we can all get behind. I love it as a movie. With a TV show, I feel like there's a potential to bloat it out a little bit and really sit in these moments when the characters. Like, we we learn about them over the course. There's not a ton of change that needs to happen. We just need to see them go through things, and that's perfectly tailored to a movie.
0: I think that's a pretty fair point. There's one issue in particular that we didn't talk about earlier that I'm thinking of where Ruthie and says, okay, while we were on this space train traveling from place to place, people would always approach Supergirl and say, hey, you're Superman's cousin, right? I'm going to kill you for something that Superman did. I'm just going to tell you about this one thing rather than all the things, because there's too many of them. It happened too many times. It's kind of boring. I could see what you're saying with the TV show where they'd be like, here's an entire episode of that happening when Ruthie is right. (laughs) you know, We only need to see it once and we get it.
2: And I think in that, that issue is just, it's a scene. It's one mm-hmm. scene where they're on the train, like, and then we've covered that idea and it, it plays into the larger story. The trick, I think, is going to be the tone, because this is a strange, it's a tone we don't see in a lot of superhero movies where like melancholy, yep. we don't yep. get that. And I think there's a potential here to, uh, turn this into John Wick basically, where mm-hmm. like Crypto gets her and Supergirl and um, her sort of sidekick are on a quest to get revenge. And then that's a different movie and maybe that's a good movie too, but it's it's a misrepresentation of the, the comic book that we have here.
0: I will say, uh, continuing this uh, train of thought, I had right. like a little light bulb go blink in my head while I was reading this book this time where I realized... Uh, I think what they're trying to do and this is really obvious so I don't know why it took me so long to figure this out. They're trying to show us superhero stuff we've never seen before. Like yeah. This being a movie we have never seen two female characters traveling through space on a mission of revenge ever. You know, I I can't think of anything that that's ever done in TV or movies and certainly not in superhero mm-hmm. movies. And thinking down the rest of the DC Studios slate, it does feel like that pretty much across the board that, oh, this is the sort of movie we haven't seen before. And we've seen a lot of superhero movies yeah. over the past a lot of decade. Similar
2: superhero movies.
0: Exactly. So it, it feels like to me, if they really can execute on this, they're gonna be giving us something different, which is exciting. Well- Well, Well, this is
2: something that I was going to like we didn't really talk about when we uh, did our first launch of this podcast. But the chance that DC has here with all of these projects is to really upend like Marvel made the first big creative leap with all of their movies and establish a very clean tone. But they've been stuck in that tone for a while. They're trying to deliver the same thing in different ways and everything's getting a little bit complex and a little bit watered down and i think there's a huge vulnerability by leaning into what james gunn seems like he wants to do is to get more creative again innovate lean into script writing first and find these great stories and bring them to screen in different ways like and i think this is a huge opportunity in that department to make a movie that is different feels different looks different than anything we've seen before
1: I also think that like Legends of Tomorrow did a great job of having some female leads be the focus and driving on these kind of space adventures. And I just what I don't want to lose from the comic is these epic panels that are just gorgeous and filled with amazing color as and these planets that look so different than anything we've ever seen. So um yeah, I'm just I I want them to try to really channel that in the movie, and I won't be disappointed. Mentioning Legends is a very good call there, and I totally agree with you
0: about the look. If this does end up looking like Marvel's usual space mud at the end of the day, that is a huge fail in my mind. One other thing I wanted to throw out to you guys uh, about the movie, and this is Complete speculation at this point, but do we think that Sasha Kaye, who is playing Supergirl in the upcoming Flash movie, will come back to do this? And with the caveat, we haven't seen the Flash other than a trailer.
2: Right. And I think no. I think the casting here I, – I think that – um, her Supergirl is different than uh, purposefully. It's a multiversal flashpoint Supergirl, and I think that's a hardened Supergirl. It seems just based on the trailer, and I think for this you need sort of the the bright, like innocent Supergirl. Uh, no matter w- how they how they cast it, um, it, I think that that sort of core, that tone needs to be in the casting choice.
0: I'm going to disagree with you and say I think we've only heard really good things about sasha Kaye and the movie this is in the flash it's a flashpoint version of her that's been imprisoned her entire life so she is going to be harder she is going to be hangrier granted did i say hangrier angry yeah. Yeah, yeah she's she's hungry oh she might my be god I, don't know. I
1: mean there's angry and then there's hungry you know what i mean that would be crazy get, if they put a, <laughs> like i'm trying she's trying to get
2: a lunch the whole movie and <laughs> oh it's just like god. listen uh, yeah
0: this guy cram has my lunch and i got to get my
2: lunch back by the yeah end. he's a lunch he's pirate he's a sandwich pirate, yeah, oh, man. that's the worst I, those kind guys of pirate. Are the worst. I yeah. really don't yeah. like
0: those guys at all. uh, no, I think like if her performance is as good, I feel like, and this is just pure suspicion on my part, that might have been even the impetus for throwing this on the pile here that you got Andy Muschetti, who directed the Flash, who they apparently love and love the work he's doing. James Gunn has said that he would love to work with him again in some capacity. You've got Sasha Kaye that again is getting like good notices coming out of the Flash movie. So knowing they have a solid Supergirl, knowing they have a solid director that's worked with her before, it's really just up to the actress to moderate her performance in some way from yeah. Flash to this movie and they could follow it forward totally different Supergirl because it's a totally different universe, but you keep that connection there. I think that might be kind of interesting. It could be. It could be. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow. If you can find it somewhere, definitely pick it up. Otherwise, yeah, get it digitally, yeah. at least for the moment. But phenomenal book. And for all of you out really? there, if you'd like to support our podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to YouTube and Facebook. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about this book and all the lovely DC books out there. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live on twitter comic book club live on tiktok and instagram comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more until next time dad you're doing a great job
2: uh dad you're crushing it i will oh, say i did the milk is the milk which is prevalent in the fridge is expired <laughs> and we need to throw it away <laughs>